1: You know, there aren't a lot of us out there who are really dedicated to the world of podcasting. And my guest today is really dedicated to it. In fact, he's got a magnificent podcast called The Model FA. He's got a a coaching consulting company. He's an advisor, CPA, CFA. This guy's got every qualification you could ever possibly want as a podcast guest uh, on here on on the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. We're going to talk about some This is going to be a little bit less formatted than normal because Patrick Brewer is our guest here and he podcasts all the time. He interviews people all the time. It's going to be fun having him be the person I interview instead of him interviewing me. Because those of you who don't know, being the interviewer is a very different uh, position than being the person you have to answer the questions. So Patrick, thank you for being vulnerable and coming on the show.
2: Matt, super excited to be here, man. I'm happy we uh, we found a time. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see where this this conversation goes. So I appreciate the invite.
1: Yeah. So let's begin. You, you are in the game in so many different ways. Hmm. I want to know what you're seeing on the ground floor. And you're also at the 30,000 foot view. So you have a very unique perspective because of all of the organizations that you are involved with. What are you seeing that are trends? I mean, what are you seeing that through your research and your interaction with other advisors and other professionals are major trends that we need to be focusing on, uh, at the end here of 2020 and into 2021.
2: For sure. And are we thinking marketing uh, trends from a marketing perspective, just so I can narrow the focus a little bit.
1: So how about we start with marketing and then we'll see where that takes us.
2: Okay. I would say that, I mean, obviously this is pretty much everyone listening to the podcast knows the pandemic has has introduced, uh, a variable that none of us were really prepared for, I think, in our industry. So it's affected us in a number of different ways. I think from a marketing perspective, it really highlighted the advisors who haven't done a good job building influence. A lot of advisors I've noticed have relied on seminar marketing, direct mail, other forms of transactional marketing that has allowed them to get in front of people during a time of transition, where it didn't require them to really have have to build up a lot of influence because the person had a pain point, You know, they got in front of them during that time when they were looking to address that pain point and then they could get them as a client. But with the the pandemic and the coronavirus in place, it really eliminates a lot of that transactional marketing. And it also increases the amount of noise in the marketplace, too, because people are getting hit from CNBC, Fox News, MSNBC, their brother-in-law, social media. Pretty much everyone is just pushing information out right now trying to get attention. And a lot of people are starting to recoil because they don't know who to trust. So I think it highlighted a very critical part of online marketing or just marketing in general for the financial advice community, which is if if you want to be relevant in the future, you need to be able to build your own brand to build influence. I think a lot of advisors are suffering from not doing that.
1: Well, Patrick, everything you just said put a huge poop-eating grin on my face because (laughs) I mean, I knew we were like-minded when it comes to this. I mean, you wouldn't uh, achieve the levels of success that you have uh, if you didn't follow major marketing trends that are being very successful. And we talk a lot about influence, my friend. We talk a lot about how important it is and how it takes time and how you need to create momentum with your influence. What are you seeing that is working to help advisors build influence over time to truly rise above the noise that you just talked about and get noticed by the right people? For sure. I want to take that in
2: two ways. First, I want to talk about an actual test like a case study that we did with a webinar that we launched right at the beginning of the coronavirus because it was literally the perfect storm. It was, if online marketing is going to work, this is going to be the environment where I should be able to do a significant amount of national lead generation without a ton of influence. We actually stood up a webinar under a brand called America's Retirement Forum. We actually did good success. We were able to get people to attend that webinar, I think for 40, 30 to $40 when we were running the national instance. But the breakdown wasn't on the marketing side of the equation. We were actually able to get people to the webinar. They watched the whole thing. They booked a call. About 20 to 25% of them would book a call to have a conversation with a financial advisor at the end of the webinar. And that person who gave the webinar was me. So I had control over the the subject matter. And I was painting the the right picture for the consumer to want to talk about financial advice and solve their problems. The problem was getting them to say yes and convert during the sales process, because a virtual sale is so much different than an in-person interaction that closing that gap, that trust gap through Zoom over the phone, it requires a lot more, frankly, influence and credibility online than most advisors, even us, uh, had. So we were able to get a few clients across the goal line and work with us on on an AUM basis, but the client acquisition cost was just too high. I think it was around $5,700 to get somebody from stranger to paying client, and we were running all of our own marketing. Yeah. So what we quickly realized is in an environment like this, the only way to, to really accelerate your, the growth of your practice in a way that's cost effective is to, again, get back, getting back to this building influence. So what I've seen work in the space, and this is going to, again, be music to your ears, I think, but interview style podcasting. So I'm not a big fan of doing podcasting just to build audience in the consumer space. I feel like most people who are gonna consume that content are going to be do-it-yourselfers and you're gonna end up having to sell coaching and information products and other lower ticket offers in order to monetize your podcast. So it kind of pulls you away from being an advisor, turns you more into an actual influencer marketer. So I think the best way to build influence is to first be extremely clear about who your ideal client is. And let's say that's someone who would let's say it's a business owner or entrepreneur. Great way to build a relationship with them is to invite them onto a podcast, spend an hour interviewing them, produce some audiograms and some great social shareables for them and allow them to share their own story and to broadcast that out into the world. Guaranteed, they're going to like you a lot more you're going to be able to sit down with them for lunch and you're going to be able to explain your value proposition at that point. So it's viewing marketing in a slightly different way. And I can get into tons of different examples around how to build influence, but that's just one way that we found to be successful for us as it relates to podcasting.
1: All right, well, I, I want to make sure that everybody, I, I didn't pay him to say that at all. <coughs> Not, I didn't slip him a 20. Uh, but uh, let's talk about some other means of influence because obviously uh, we firmly believe that the interview style format, which is, is one of our eight podcast tactics in order for you to grow you know, your listenership and your influence with your ideal client. What are some other ways that you have found? I mean, are, are webinars working? I love that you said the virtual sale is different what actually let's 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 chase that rabbit for a moment, my friend. Since you are <laughs> not only consulting advisors, but you're also an advisor and, and you're doing the work, how is it different and how are you overcoming that virtual distance?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, we I think we scheduled 80 calls, I think it was 80 calls over a three week period when we started to ramp and scale the webinar instance nationally. And as I said, it was me giving the presentation. We directed them to a calendar link. They would book on the calendars with one of my advisors. We had a four call process. So the first call was a pre intro call, and it's a 30 minute call. We're trying to qualify them, ask them. Good questions, get them engaged in the process, explain, you know, what they might expect if they were to continue to the next call, which is the discovery, you know, quote unquote discovery meeting. And we would tell them to bring their spouse to that call. Uh, Some would show up, I'd say 60% would show up with the spouse, 40% would show up without the spouse. We generally spend about an hour to an hour and 20. And that's where a lot of advisors are going to be familiar with this. We're trying to connect the emotional pain point with the financial pain point. So what they come in obviously with financial questions, hopefully they leave with more kind of an emotional commitment to solving the issues that they presented with. So it's connecting those dots. And then from there they progress to what we call an analysis meeting or a give to get offer. So what we try and do is identify the number one most pressing pain point and for them, since they're getting close to retirement, it's usually gonna be Medicare, social security, retirement income planning, taxes, something along those lines. And we basically give them a free piece of advice. We say, hey, you know, show up to the next meeting. We're not gonna solve all your problems, but we're happy to address the social security issue so you can get a sense of how we work with our clients. And at least we can put that one to bed so we can kind of look at the, the picture a little bit more holistically. And we do the same thing for, you know, a Roth conversion or the same thing for uh, Medicare produce a roadmap for Medicare. So just kind of a leveraged piece of collateral that allows them to build trust with us. And then on the analysis call, that's when we dig in, provide the value, and get them to basically say, yes, I'm interested. We provide the quote. And then the final meeting is the mutual commitment meeting where they're basically in or they're out. So that's a a very long sales process, number one. We don't have that long of a sales process in person. Usually it's only sometimes one meeting if it's a referral or introduction, but at most it's three meetings. The virtual sale, I think one, one sale went seven meetings <laughs> uh, just because of the fact that they couldn't meet with us face-to-face, like in person, just that interaction. I feel like it's very hard to close the gap even through Zoom. So it was a challenge getting people to commit. Now, I think if you were just selling insurance, it would be easier because it's a more product oriented sale and people are willing to buy a product without meeting you in person. But if you're selling holistic wealth management services where you're going to be working with them for the next 25 years or longer, you probably want to meet with them in person at some point. So not to say it can't be done. Like I said, we closed multiple clients using this methodology. It just took more time and was a little bit more expensive than we would have liked. So that was kind of my test during the coronavirus pandemic on virtual sales.
1: Well, the other interesting thing about this too is, you know, the sales process in general seems to be shifting overall. And I mean, you're talking about influence and, uh, you know, making it so that people can find you, do their research on you before they ever come in the door, uh, which is really what we believe influence marketing truly is. But advisors uh, and people in general need to be a lot more patient, not only uh, with their, their business development aspects or, or, you know, them bringing in actual sales, but they also need to understand that because of the noise, you have to be consistently producing content in a way that's easily digestible to your ideal client. So that they know that you are that expert. And, and honestly, Patrick, you are a freaking expert. I, you've, you've got like real, like you've got a CFA, dude. I mean, that's about as expert as expert can be, plus a CPA. So, uh, you know, on paper, you would just say, I would think that somebody be like, hey, this dude's super freaking smart. I'm just going to go ahead and hire him. But you still have to go through that sales process, which is more expensive, which is more timely or, or time intensive. But- from all of this, if you could do it all over again, let's let's see if we can make the perfect model here. Yeah. If you could do it all over again, what would you add in the process? What would you subtract from this process in order for you to potentially speed it up and get people to a yes faster?
2: Yeah, I think the only thing you can really do is build, again, more of an audience before you start using conversion-oriented marketing tactics. So a webinar is designed to convert, emails designed to convert, whereas videos, podcasts, blogs, fractional content is designed to warm up the top of the funnel, to warm up the audience so they get to know you, they can understand how you think, you know, different stories and experiences that you've had in your personal and your professional life, opinions that you may jointly share, that helps bind them to you, it creates that likability, that commonality factor. So I think the challenge was just given the the nature and the onset, like the, the quick onset of the coronavirus, as a marketing company, we can't really force advisors to do those things. The only thing that we can do is create the best conversion marketing possible. And from a marketing standpoint, the numbers were amazing. Like We were able to get the the cost per registration, I think down to 10 to $15 to get somebody on the webinar. It was, you know, like I said, 30 to 40. And then 20% of those people would book a call. So you're looking at maybe $100, $120 for a booked call, which is pretty great in the personal finance niche. But again, the challenge is not on the marketing, uh, on, the, on the back end of the marketing process. It was, it was on the front end where people just need that level of trust in order to feel comfortable moving forward. And I think the other compounding factor that we couldn't really address, the issue of just so much noise, the media and all the other stuff that happened with, you know, the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement, and just all the craziness that's going on in the country. I think it raised the bar as far as who people were even willing to trust in the first place, because there's so much just there's just a lot of stuff out there right now and people just don't know who they should trust. So again, raising the bar on, even if you did produce that content, it still might not be enough. So that's my thought.
1: How do you as a practicing advisor, how do you or do you Choose any sides here, my friend. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot because one, sure. I, I trust you and I know that you've thought about this. But I, I've had a lot of people who've really shied away from this question, especially when you're talking about your ideal client. There are psychographics, not just demographics to your mm-hmm. ideal client, which means that there are socio-religious and political uh, components to that relationship of that ideal client how do you personally navigate that uh, in order to make it so that you're staying true to who you are, but potentially attracting those like-minded people?
2: Uh, It's a loaded question. It's a good question. I, I think it depends on the type of client you're going after. Like I generally, what I advise, and this is what I preach on marketing and business development. The first step is defining that for yourself as an advisor. Who is your ideal client? What are the demographics? What are the psychographics? What do they enjoy? What do they not enjoy? And then what you want to do from there is hopefully align their preferences with your preferences so there's not an incongruence when you start marketing. Now, the challenge is that most advisors are going to be going after practical thinkers, right? People that have accumulated a sum of money, they're getting close to retirement, they're gonna lean conservative. You know, We can get into all the ide- ideologies and, and the psychographics here. And I'm not one to judge, right? I, I, I think there's merit to both sides. So I think it's more question of who do you wanna be as an advisor? If you wanna play a role and you wanna be a, a media person, you don't care what you say and you're just gonna say whatever it is that makes the cash registers ring, right? And you bring in clients, Get AUM on the platform and sell insurance products, it's a pretty clear psychographic profile and what you would need to focus on and how you would need to do that in order to be successful, right? You're not gonna wanna live in the Bay Area and do Zoom calls with a backpack and like, you know, pair of jeans on. Like you're gonna be buttoned up, you're gonna be suited, you're gonna be, you know, listening to Fox News, and and that's how it's gonna work. So um, I'm not here to judge on on that side of it. I just think it's important to acknowledge that you have to meet your clients or your prospects where they're at. And hopefully you can identify a niche that aligns with what you believe, how you draw energy from your work, how you communicate with people, how you buy things yourself, uh, which is another thing that I teach inside of our, our programs. I feel like there's clear sales psychology that can be played out that, that helps advisors better align with their, their prospects and and close more, more deals based on how they buy things in general. But um, that's my thought. It can go either way. It just really depends on your preferences.
1: During your discovery process, when somebody does hire you as a marketing consultant, as a practice management consultant, are there any specific questions that you have found allow advisors to have that light bulb go on when it comes to their ideal client and their preferred target market?
2: I think... It takes time. It's something that we can't. The advise we don't. I don't want to force the advisor into it because it needs to be their decision. So you need to spend sixty to ninety minutes and allow them facilitate a process of introspection so that they can get a sense for who they are and how they draw energy. So I've created a quiz to help with this, and it's it's actually a full blown training. It's like fifty minutes. We hired a Myers Briggs certified consultant to assign different Myers Briggs profiles to each of what we call advisor archetypes, because I feel like there's four different types of financial advisors. You've got connectors, rainmakers, guardians, and architects. So without getting in all the details, we basically profile the advisor and we get a sense for how they draw energy from their work. How do they want to interact with their work? And then from there, it, it narrows down the field to say, okay, you seem like a person who draws energy from connecting with people that are in large groups And you also, we profile them on their, their sales psychology. Are they an analytical thinker? Are they a strategic thinker? Are they practical thinker? Are they relational thinker? What combination of these things are they create this matrix? And we say, okay, you're a strategic analytical thinker and you like to go out and you build relationships with people um, in group settings. Maybe you should join a mastermind with other entrepreneurs. Maybe you're maybe a niche for you could be entrepreneurs. And we just throw that out there and we let them kick it around. So my process is more, helping them better understand themselves so that when they make the decision, they don't rebel against it. Because if they make the decision flippantly, then what happens is they start to question it and then they get in their own head. And then before you know it, they're switching their niche or their multiple niches or they're a generalist. It's like, you know, a lot of things can happen. So we we try and facilitate that process of introspection.
1: One of the greatest things that I learned in in grad school, learning to be a, a coach was, the power of the client coming to a decision and and making a realization is the goal of good coaching. It's not in, and I think that's where a lot of people don't understand the difference between a coach and a consultant. Is a consultant, you pay them to tell you what to do. And a coach's job, just like what you were talking about, Patrick, is allowing your client to truly discover it for themselves, because you're right. You're gonna have way more buy-in if it's your Mm -hmm. freaking idea. (laughs) Because we we work with some fiercely independent people, man. Yeah, Financial services professionals are generally really, really fiercely independent, and they love coming up with their own ideas. And I'm glad that you do that through your discovery process to help them uh, make that realization, have more buy-in, because we all know, and, and somebody just said this on one of the podcasts today, is the, the riches are in the niches, right? And I love that. I don't think I've actually ever heard that before, but I thought it was a really nice little quote. and I'm gonna use it from here on out, I'm gonna steal it. (laughs) Because I know he didn't come up with that, but I love that idea because that's truly where the money truly is. And it's easier to market there because marketing is a gift in our opinion. You need to give yourself the gift of marketing to market to your ideal client. Why would you not do that? I just, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So anyway, okay, I digress. I have a couple other good questions for you. Well, I hope they're good questions. When it comes to getting business from your existing clients, all right, how does influence tie into that? And how have you found success in your own practice to increase your referability, especially during these virtual times?
2: Another great question. I feel like you're just a great question asker, my friend. So two things there. I'll address the influence piece second. But the way that we've addressed it, is we've acquired a gentleman's business uh, his name's Dan Allison he runs a company called feedback marketing and we institutionalized his methodology again the methodologies the methods called feedback marketing and it works by turning your clients into advocates for your service so it it dovetails perfectly with what we teach advisors on the business development side I'm a big believer that what you're trying to do is basically tr- advance trust strategically with key relationships. So you move somebody from a new client to a good working relationship, to a loyal client, eventually to a raving fan. And I think where a lot of advisors, where they break down is they don't mind that goal, that relational capital that they've built up over the years by asking the client if they know anyone who could use their help. So the process, and I'm not gonna get into the details that we use, is, is a method that Dan Allison has uh, perfected over the past 15 years. And we teach that to all of our advisors in our consulting program and in our RIA, and they conduct what are called feedback sessions, take the clients uh, through those, and that ultimately results in more referrals. So that's how we've been handling introductions and referrals uh, for the past, I wanna say, 12 months or so. And then as far as how influence bakes into the process, I mean, what you're trying to do when you're becoming influential is become known. So if you are, let's say, a very well-known credible resource in the business owner space, let's say it's even more specific for for architects, and you attend all the conferences, you have other centers of influence that do practice management consulting and tech consulting for architecture firms, you have broadened the, the offer that you have for those firms by introducing 401k services, maybe some tax planning or even tax preparation and accounting, you become known. You are the person in that particular niche for what you do. Every single time that somebody has a question, even if they're not your client, you could be recommended because you're known. So the key is you don't just limit yourself to your clients who you're building relationships with and building trust with over time. Now that you're influential, other people who may don't need your service could recommend someone who does. So I think There's two sides to that point. You definitely want to be strategic and advance the relationships you have with your clients. Do what we call feedback marketing in order to get more referrals and introductions. But you also need to have a mind for influence so that people that aren't your clients can work with you
1: that was freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> oh,
2: thanks, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was great. I, that was, uh, you unpacked that super clear. I, that was that was wonderful. I hope everybody is, if you're not driving, I hope everybody had a chance to write that stuff down. If not, uh, rewind this about seven minutes uh, and then kind of listen to the lead up of, of, of what Patrick just said there. Okay, Patrick, uh, first off, as I'm sure it's apparent, I'm super happy that you, you were on the show. You know, I think we, Need to do this more often because we're, you know, birds of a feather. We're yeah, similar stuff, uh, but there's some overlap. And here's the deal neither you nor I uh, could ever handle the amount of advisors that need marketing assistance in the world, even though it'd be fun if we could. <laughs> So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this Patrick guy is really freaking awesome, um, what should they do, right? Uh, How can they engage you? What's the best way for them to do that? And and even more importantly, who's your ideal advisor client so that our listeners could self-identify and say, you know what, I think I'm going to hire that guy.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So the best way to find us is www.modelfa.com. We have a couple different things that we do. We have a coaching program, either for individual advisors or for small or even large teams. Uh, it's called the Accelerator. So if let's say you're under five hundred thousand in gross revenue, you're probably going to be better suited by engaging us on the consulting, uh, or sorry, on the coaching side, because then we can help you organize your business foundationally so that when you do spend money on marketing, it's actually going to be accretive and add value to your business. And most of the the energy that you're going to spend to get to a million dollars in gross revenue is probably going to be on the business development side. You know, you know, you want to have a marketing budget, but a lot of times, you're, you're just going to want to invest money in brand and maybe a podcast depending on your, on your niche. But nailing the, the foundational stuff, the niche and the positioning and the offer and all that practice management stuff is incredibly important. That's what we teach in our coaching program. As far as marketing services go, we work with a select number of firms. Most of our clients have at least a billion in assets under management. The reason for that is we serve in a, as a fractional CMO and also fractional head of advisor development and we focus on strategy all the way through execution. We do work with some firms that are under a billion. Uh, Generally, they're gonna be more CEO-minded, so they're willing to make a larger investment into marketing, strategy, and execution so that they can grow faster. I think the smallest client that we have, uh, that we actually have in that particular offer is around uh, 200 million in assets. But uh, that's the best way to work with us. I think, you know, depending on where you're at, you may be focused a little bit more on business development. Uh, other times you might be focused a little bit more on marketing, but the key is to integrate those two things because that's what really drives growth. So you want to make sure that you have an eye on, on both processes for your firm and for your firm's advisors.
1: And as always, everybody, we will make sure that we have links to all of that contact information. And by the way, you should probably follow Patrick on social media. So it's Patrick Brewer. He's, he, he posts stuff uh, regularly. Uh, he's featured on a lot of other podcasts. Uh, he's interviewed a lot. Uh, Because, you know what, he is on the cutting edge of of what's going on in not just marketing again, but business development. And the fact that they run as a a fractional CFO means that he has the flexibility and the understanding of what the big people are doing. So in his coaching program, he can show you what some of the big things are happening and how you can implement that in, in a smaller practice. And Patrick, I think that right there is one of the great values that you add to our industry is not necessarily doing a Robin Hood thing here, you know, stealing from the rich, Uh, but you have the opportunity to truly learn on a huge scale what can happen. And then the way that your brain works and your coaching program works is making it so that people can take action items to, to continuously exponentially grow their practice. So dude, this was fun. I can't thank you enough for being on the show and giving our audience a, a whole bunch of great information.
2: Matt, thank you so much, man. I feel like you're better at selling me than I am. So anytime you want (laughs) to work on a contract basis for that, I'd appreciate it. But no, I really enjoyed it and would love to have you on our show, The Model FA. I think it would be good to just kind of get your feedback on some of this because I know that you do have a significant amount of expertise. I mean, there's a reason that we don't offer podcasting services because you guys are kind of the number one in the space. So excited to uh, continue the collaboration and thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: And please make sure that if there's another podcast that you listen to the model F a podcast, that is another one, put it in your player, subscribe to it. Great information. There is overlap. I mean, you've, you've just heard Patrick use words that Kirk and I use on a regular basis. And and the big (laughs) one is influence, right. And the noise, you know, Kirk and I are always talking to everybody about rising above the noise and what can you do. And, and what Patrick was really supporting there is this idea of influence. So, if of course, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, make sure that you do also subscribe to the Model FA podcast. Also, drop a review for them and us. You know, it's feedback that we get, and it also helps us in search engine optimization. It uh, really just takes a second to click those five stars uh, for either, either Patrick's podcast or ours. We'd really, truly appreciate it. If you have any ideas or topics that you'd like for us to cover or guest ideas, just email me, Matt at topadvisorm.com. The M is for marketing. And finally, If you want to truly become an influencer, it takes time. It is not something that happens overnight. It's not like a seminar. It's not like a webinar where you put in $10,000 and you know you're going to be able to get X amount out of it immediately or within six to eight weeks. Real marketing takes time. If you look at what Patrick has built, he didn't build this overnight. Hell, he didn't even get his designations overnight. That took years. And for many of you, you don't look at marketing that way. So I'd love for you at the end of 2020, in the beginning of 2021, try your best to think about marketing as a long-term plan. Surprisingly enough, kind of like what you do for your clients. You don't want your clients looking at the market in this period of time, in this quarter specifically. You want them to be looking at the long-term plan of their financial plan and the goals that they've set. Us marketers like Patrick and ourselves here at Top Advisor Marketing, that's what we do. We have you take the long view, which is gonna allow you to have more realistic expectations for how you create influence and also how you can truly own your vertical that you want. So for Patrick Brewer at Model F A, And all of us here at Top Advisor Marketing, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon.
0: Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the contact us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.